It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion putter Jeff Fiegels. We are so glad you could join us for the next hour to talk Giants football. Our phone number is 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. And folks, if you've been joining us for the last couple of weeks since training camp started, you know that we are uh, still operating remotely, but we do have access to our studio, which means Brian, our producer, is manning the controls, and he does have the ability to stack phone calls. So please, I'd like to make this a call-centered show. Please get on the line, especially if you have not dialed in before. Want to give some new people a chance. We have too many folks who try to call in every single show. Let's get some new voices on the show at 201 Four five one three. Good afternoon, Mr. Fiegels. It was a, f- a fully padded practice today over at the Meadowlands. Yeah, well, I mean that's training camp. You know, they used to be all padded uh, back in the day, but you know that just isn't the way it goes. And evidently, uh, Mr. Judge decided to uh, extend the practice a little bit because he didn't like what he saw in those full pads. And a lot of things I've been reading about Coach Judge is the fact that he's from he's old school, Paul. You know that, and. Um, a lot like these old school coaches, when things don't go right, they, he's just going to extend things. They're going to put them in drills again. They're going to sit out there until they can do it correctly. And um, that does a couple things. Number one, it shows you that the type of football team that they're going to be. And the other thing that he installs is the discipline. We're going to do it the right way until we get it right. And that's an important thing because when you have a young football team like this, guys that are learning how to play, a lot of new new faces on this team, new coaches, it's going to take a little extra time. And Right now, they need as much time as they can get because they certainly have not had the time that they would have had to, to do a lot of this stuff in the offseason. And so it's kind of a, a pressure and, and, you know, kind of a move forward mode right now. And they got to get ready. What is it, 16, 17 days before the first NFL game kicks off? I know it's not the Giants, but that's close. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's recap what's happened the last couple of days. There was a scrimmage on the grass field on Friday night. Then Mm -hmm. on Saturday, the players were given the day off. Yesterday was a bit of a glorified walkthrough, shirts and shorts and helmets. Today, they put the pads back on for the first time since Friday, and Judge noticed a difference. You know, when the guys came out, they definitely ended with a good intention of practice. We're competing at the end. Um... You know, we got to get it where we come off a day off and, and we start sharp. That's definitely something we have to work at as a team and improve there. Well, now, let me ask you something, Jeff, because I had Sean O'Hara on the uh, inside look at Giants training camp, the uh, streaming show that we do every day from practice. And Sean said it's been his experience over his career that usually the first full padded practice after a day off is a little bit sluggish or a little bit rough around the edges. Have you seen that as well? Yeah, because I think that, you know, here's what happens. Usually in the dog days of summer when guys come into training camp and you're in it for a long time, um, you get a little bit sluggish. And, you know, right now there's a lot of stuff that's being pressed on these guys. So, you know, you had a full padded practice, full scrimmage Friday. The players had off Saturday. And then on Sunday they went through kind of a walkthrough, which is probably a lot of, you know, buttoning up things that went wrong and little mental mistakes that you saw on Friday's scrimmage. They were doing a lot of stuff yesterday. 
So as a coaching staff, you want these guys to come back and be sharp, but it says players, it's a mental thing. It's very mental, and you got to get you, every one of those guys has got their got to get their minds ready to go out and practice. And collectively, that's hard to do when you've got so many guys there. Um, but it's imperative that they come out and try to focus on what they're doing, and that's what Coach Judge is saying. They need to be able to come out after a practice, uh, full you know, a day off, and then kind of doing what they did on Sunday. And and it's really you know what, Paul, it's focus. It's mental parts of the game that you have to do. Is it harder to do this mentally or emotionally, or is it harder to do it physically? Well, I think one comes before the next, right? So I think mentally you're sitting in there when you're in meeting rooms and you're getting ready to get in tape to go out to practice. You know, not everybody likes to practice in full pads. You like to play games in full pads, but it's just the mentality of getting all that stuff on, and you know it's going to be hot. So there's your mental aspect. So, But the thing is you got to get over that quickly, and then you got to kick it into gear. Now, there's a lot of things that happen here. You know, guys that are comfortable that are going to make the team, you know you know who those guys are. Um, they sometimes set the way for some of the other guys. And I, what I mean by this is they kind of just kind of ease into the practice where, you know, some of these other guys that are trying out there, trying to make this football team, that's harder for them. They've well, got Jeff, to get up and go. I'm going know? to ask you to pause for a second because how many guys on this team, after some losing seasons mm-hmm. and with an entirely new well, coaching staff, with a disciplinarian like Joe Judge, <laughs> should really allow themselves to feel comfortable at all? Well, no one should. I mean, even down to Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, but those guys are the leaders of the team. They need to lead by example. And by the way, I doubt that those two guys are two of the – Two of the 90 that are probably, you know, kind of being a little bit sluggish. I think they, they have great motors and they can, they can do things. Um, but, yeah, nobody, nobody can. But I think for the most part there are some guys when, you know, economics come into this and you kind of understand where you're at and, you know, on the depth chart you're number one. You're most likely going to be there. And, um, you know, there's a lot of guys here trying to make, make, it, make the team. And, really, you've been out there every single day, and I think there's a handful of guys that – you know, that we didn't talk about two or three weeks ago or even a month ago that we're talking about today, and that's exciting. Oh, I know really you get, I know you get excited about your three or four guys every year that you put on your list of say, hey, I think this guy's going to make it. He's my dark horse guys. What's, yeah, yeah. My, my dark horse guys. Yeah, there you go. And I'm yeah. sure you've got a few of those that are, that are kind of making you proud right now. Oh, my goodness. Well, my number one guy coming right out of the draft was Austin Mack, the receiver out of Ohio State, and I'm not backing off on him at all. Mm-hmm. I really am not. He is having a very good camp. Well, it's uh, interesting that you say that, that wide receiver position, because with Cody Core going out of the lineup as a core special teams guy, you would imagine that that's probably one position that the Giants are going to try to replace him with is somebody that can play the position, the wide receiver position, but more importantly – can be a core special teams guy. So where do you put him in that mix of the other guys that are still there? I mean, you've got a lot of, you know, you've got some guys like, you know, Alex Bachman is a guy that's made some made some waves in this. He just makes plays all over the place. He's a little guy. Um, reminds me, I, I don't want to compare him to an, Ad, an Edelman or something like that, but, you know, he's that type of receiver. A Welker uh, type. Yeah, and then you got mm-hmm. David Sills, who's a guy that's, I mean, a big target, and he's made some he's made some hay too. So well, that's an interesting position to watch because you're going to have to – Cody Core was a big loss for this team, and a lot of people don't understand that. Well, they will find out on special teams when they're looking for somebody to get down there and down a punt inside the five mm-hmm. that because that's when, Corey, that's when Cody Core was really, really important. 100%. And he's, just, you know, he's one of those guys where he understands his role. 
yeah, he wants to be a wide receiver in the National Football League, but he also understands that, you know, what's going to pay my bills is that's being on those four core special teams units. And he's got that – he had that mentality, and that's what some – now the Giants got to find another guy like that. So we'll, see, we'll soon enough know who that guy's going to be. Well, somebody who has really been healthy during the course of training camp is Evan Ingram, and he looks terrific. I mean, the routes, the speed, looks like he's lost some weight, he's toned up his body, and he was telling us today that is not the only difference in Giants training camp compared to last year. Just getting out there with the, with the new staff and new coaches and new offense, um, the energy is very high, um, the urgency is high. Um, and every day um, is, is a process to attack and, and to get better. So um, it's something that we've all bought into, and we're, we're trying to get better at each and every day. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things you notice, is that if things are not exactly the way they're supposed to be, Joe Judge is very quick to be vocal, to be uh, very uh, aggressive in his uh, voice, uh, be very, um, I'm looking for some really nice family-oriented words here, to be very, very direct in his instructions, mm-hmm. and he makes sure that from the middle of practice on, if things haven't gone right, they'll fix them up before they leave that practice field. Yeah, but and here's the thing. We all knew this is the type of person he was going to be. Um, we just wanted to see it for sure, and you're getting an idea of how he's going to run this football team, and He's not going to take. He's not going to take a practice where guys are lackadaisical. He'll make. He'll make them do it again. Do it over and do it over. And I'll tell you that that kind of goes along with the coaches he hired too, Paul. Yeah. You know all those guys. When you're looking at them on the field, they are running around. I mean, I saw uh, Mark Colombo the other day at practice running around with these guys. And that's what he does. He was doing sets like he could still play. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's important. And you look at Sean Spencer, who we knew had had all the energy that he. He needed to bring on that field. So, you know, these this these coaches that that Joe Judge hired, um, you know, maybe got him got him in the interview and said, "Hey, give me some energy. Show me what you're going to do in practice." And it's like, you know, it's got an an audition. But man, I'll tell you that it feeds well with those players. It's so contagious, and you can tell this team. You, you just listen to Evan Ingram what he said. You know, you're out on the field. You're watching how these new guys are. Have, how the new coaches are coaching and how things are flying around and guys buying into the system. And I think that when we look back at buying into a system, the time is now. I mean, this team needs to grow. They need to get better. And they hired Joe Judge for a reason. And I think the players are going to like that. Now, there's going to be times, Joe, or Paul, that Joe Judge is going to do things that, that players just do not like. Sure. That's just the way it's going to be, right? And they're made, I doubt that there's anybody that's going to voice their opinions but I think, you know, being around the team, you'll understand that there's some things that a lot of veteran players don't like what mm-hmm. coaches do sometimes. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you're not going to like everything. Just like a coach is not going to like everything a player does. But you just get through it. You really do. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is our phone number. Speaking of practice, one of the things that Joe Judge does is he creates an up-tempo to each of the drills. Not only are the drills performed at a fairly rapid-tempo pace, but in addition to that, he makes sure that they change drills at a pretty rapid pace. And there's, there's a certain way... Not only that he wants them to go about it, but there's also a certain order to the drills. Now, from the layperson, this might not make any sense at all. But to Joe Judge, it makes a whole lot of sense. It's always a game of transition. There's sudden change, there's extended long periods. You know, we've got to get our guys to think accordingly and react 
you know, we move on from one period to the next. It's important they understand the emphasis of the period and what we're transitioning over to. You know, every play is unique in the league. It's important to understand the situation of the play. You're not just calling plays out there. You're calling for a specific purpose. <laughs> Everything Joe Judge is for a purpose. <laughs> well, what's, what's, what's great about Joe Judge is that he, he really opens up to the media and kind of gets them because I feel like there's a I, – I really believe there's um, an educating process here that he's trying to bring about to the media and the people that watch him and his team because I feel like – you know, he's trying to explain to everybody his method to his madness, if you will, right? So people want to, he wants people to be on board. So when they're seeing these guys doing what they're doing and coaches running around, running laps and things like that, there's a reason why I'm doing this. And the big one that he just said is sudden change. If you've watched football enough, there's sudden change constantly in football. You go from, you know, the defense that just stopped the team um, and then all of a sudden there's an interception or something, this, this sudden change comes about. And you have to react. There's guys that just sat down on the bench, and all of a sudden there's a turnover. They got to get up and go again. That's part of the process of moving in from one drill to the other and doing things differently. You know, we were just doing an offensive drill. We're going to do a sudden change. We're now going to move into defense. So these are the things that guys are getting used to in practice. So that when it happens in games, it's not a big deal. If you don't practice these kinds of things, it will become a big deal in the game. All right, let's go to the phone line since we have our first call of the day. John from Staten Island is on line one. Hello. Hey, John. Hey, P-Dot. Uh, hey, Jeff. Uh, I just wanted to bring up or to add to what you're saying about judges' practices. Uh, practice uh, generally comes down to three things, technique, tactics, and conditioning. And... Um, I think what we saw today in practice was uh, a little bit of a lack of conditioning. And when I talk about lack of conditioning, I'm talking about mental conditioning. Sure. The fact that it, when you want to put your pads on and it's hot out and you really don't feel like going out and practice, well, the teams that go out and practice hard, those are the teams that win championships. Uh, best example of that was the 2017. That team never felt it was out of a game. They were the most mentally tough team in, possibly in Giants history because when they were behind in the fourth quarter, every one of the 53 men on the sideline had full confidence that they were going to come back and win that game, and it took them all the way to a championship. So w mental conditioning is a big part of it, and what I, see in Joe, it, what I see in Joe Judge is that he, he, because of the pace of his practices, that builds mental toughness. Mm -hmm. um, because you go from you go from activity to activity, you build technique in the drills, you build, you build tactics in your in the meeting rooms, and you build mental toughness and physical toughness by doing things when you really don't feel like doing them. Yep, yep. I'll tell yeah, you. Let me give you a little experience. Thank uh, you, just, John. Yeah, thank you, John. And, and those are all excellent points, and I I think you're spot on. And here's what happens. When you're an NFL player, you're expected to get up for those practices, right? There's no excuses for you not, not to come out to come out on the field and just lay an egg. So, what happens is, is that Joe Judge will hold you accountable. His coaching staff will hold the players accountable, and he's going to hold the coaches accountable. So, you know what they always say: something runs downhill, right? So, I am not. I'm, the coaches do not want to be the ones that get ripped in their own personal staff meetings. Okay, because their players are not ready to play. So those coaches are going to get those guys ready to go. And then it's among the, the players that have to get themselves ready to go. The guys that cannot do that, the guys that cannot transition into the dog days of summer. Which, by the way, Paul knows this. He's been covering pro football and the Giants forever. These are not the dog days of summer. 
These no. are, this is nothing compared to what football used to be. So if you can't get yourself up to go out and practice the way that they are right now, then there's a problem. But, and I'm not saying that a lot of guys have this problem right now. But if you can't, then you're not going to be around. And I'll tell you what, it just it does take a lot of mental toughness. I remember the days when I was getting up there a little long in the tooth and things were hurting on a daily basis. But I had to go out and do the things that I could do before practice. And that's getting up very, very early and maybe going for a run, maybe getting in the in the weight room and doing this or that into the into the hot tub, stretching all the stuff that it took to get out on that field and compete. Those are things that each person has to do individually. And I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but some guys do. And the guys that that have become mentally strong that can do that, they're going to become all pros and Pro Bowl players and they're going to be really, really good. The guys that can't do it. They're going to find themselves on the street, and they're also going to ask themselves one day, why didn't I make it? They know. They certainly know why they didn't make it. <laughs> I didn't prepare. I didn't study. Okay, and, and those, are the, those are the guys that's called laziness. And laziness, if you're lazy, that all of a sudden affects your mental toughness on the football field. Great call, John. It was really good questions. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. Uh, also, you can go to hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. You can also go to J, at Jay Fiegels or at Giants WFAN. Giants Brawl, by the way, sends us a tweet, says it doesn't matter how the players started. It's how they finished and responded after Judge ripped them. Good to see a young team buying into Judge's message and culture. Mm-hmm. Well, this is why I brought up before that midway through practice, if it's not up to speed, Judge makes sure that those guys know it's not up to speed, and he's giving them a chance during the second half of the session to fix it. Did I lose you, Jeff? No, I'm here. Oh, Oh, there you you are. I thought you were going to a clip. Sorry. No, I was not going to go to a clip there. I I just wanted to make it very clear that, you know. sound sound that way. You set that thing up I'm sorry. Well, I I appreciate that very (laughs) much. You're used to me making good setups. (laughs) I understand that. No, it comes down to Judge with his teaching tactics and, and making sure that the directions are clear, they're exact, they're detailed, they're assertive. It's like, you know. I, I, I don't I don't like when guys say, well, they didn't understand. You know, you want to make sure, that. right? You want to make sure that they got the point. They knew exactly what they were supposed to do. There was a direct line of communication from the boss to the employees. And, hey, guys, there's no excuse for you not to follow this. Well, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of Joe Judge already. I can, well, I, I, that's all I can say. I, I've said this before, and for people that haven't heard it, um, understand this. Everything's done for a reason. There's process to practice. Um, you know, there's installation. The coaching staff the day before, this is why the coaches live in the building, and they're, they're, they're there constantly because they're consistently, they're constantly grading the players, and then they're installing their offense and their defensive practice plans for the next day. And then what happens is when the players get into the meetings, let's just take a normal day where you have practice, right? And then after the practice is over, they review the game, the practice film. They go over it right there because that, that's captive. It's fresh in your memory. You just came off the football field. It's right there. They go over the practice tape. Okay, so then as soon as the players are dismissed and they go home, the coaches go down and they go and grade, the, they go and grade it. Every practice is graded. And then they come up with the next day's practice. And so while they're inputting that, then before practice the next day, Paul, we had the, the team has meetings in the morning. 
and they are going over installation and they're going over the whole practice. So when you said there's no question, there should be no excuse that these guys do not know what they're doing, you're 100% correct. They've already seen the plays that they're going to run in practice. They've already been told the drills they're going to run in practice, unless it's something new that they've never done. But no, most of the time they've, at this point they've done all the drills that they're going to do. It's just repetitive. But there's no excuse. So when we see guys run the wrong plays or we see guys run, uh, jump off sides and things like this, those are all mental mistakes, which Joe Judge cannot stand. And mm -hmm. those are the types of things that we hear the guys running laps for. Yes. It, it, so because he's including the assistance, by the way, yeah, remember that, too, 100 percent, because, you know, what happens is, that, you know, maybe the guy makes the wrong call. He gets the guy in the wrong position. So it's a trickle down effect. Well, I give you the alignment. I tell you to get in a three technique when the play, the defensive call is, is it has you in a two technique or whatever it is. I made that mistake. That's my bad. And coaches rarely say that, but they do. And so he gets to run a lap. So that's accountability. And that's how things are running in practice. So, you know, on a collectively a big grand scheme of things today when all of a sudden Joe Judge extends practice for a half an hour because he, he wants to make sure that this isn't going to happen again. Okay? I don't want these guys coming out here, going through the motions. I don't want to waste a day of practice when we only have so many days left before we tee it up for the first time. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to waste our time out here. So let's, let's – I'm just curious because I wasn't out there today. I'm just wondering if they went back and re-ran a couple periods. He just wanted them to tighten things up is what he wanted. Okay, so it originally was going to be a two-and-a-half-hour practice anyways. I don't know. You know, so, yeah, tighten it up. Whatever you got to do, just get out there, and I need, a, need it to be better. And, you know, it's sometimes, most of the times, it does get better, but sometimes you come off the field and the coaches are really discouraged. They're like, man, what if we just wasted this day? And you can't waste days of practice. You can't. You only get so many of them. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. Our phone lines are open. Uh, another thing that we talked about today with some of the assistant coaches, in fact, it was Sean Spencer, Coach Chaos, mm -hmm. who had a chance to address the media. And specifically, one of the targets that the media went after was, of course, Leonard Williams, a guy who has really, you know, played very well but continues to be underrated because he doesn't get enough sacks. Well, Coach Chaos uh, had some thoughts on big number 99. He's doing a great job of taking the classroom work, the, the work we do in the meetings prior to practice and, and being able to bring that out on the field and do the things we're asking him to do. Clearly, as you guys know, he's an unbelievable athlete. Um, you know, I think he's starting to put it all together. He's, he's always had the tools. He's working on refining his craft right now. He looks strong, you know, and powerful, like you said. And, um, you know, I'm just happy with his progress right now. When you watch his film and you're coaching him up on, you know, how he can finish all those things, you know, what do you see technically or in his game that, that can lift him, you know, above just the pressures to finishing? Well, you know, I mean, you know, obviously, as we stated before, he's a, he's a tremendous athlete, right? So we got to take him from being just this tremendous athlete to refining him as a football player. Um, and I think he's, he's working toward that right now. I mean, what I tell Leonard is the same thing I'll tell Dex. It's the same thing I'll tell Chris Slayton. You know, everybody's kind of coached the same. I don't have a particular, like, this is a Leonard, Leonard focus. You know, clearly there's things that he's going to do really well that you want to you you use those tools. But at the same time, within the framework of what I'm teaching, you know, he's doing those things and trying to articulate those things on the field. Now, let's, let's just make something very clear to those folks who do not know Sean Spencer. 
He is a master motivator. He is an energizer bunny. I mean, his guys at Penn State over the last half a dozen years, his defensive line, they were known as the Wild Dogs because they got after people. And collectively, they were amongst the most difficult defensive lines to handle in college football. Well, if he can bring that out of the Giants, and Lord knows they're really good against the run, but this defensive line does need to pick up its pass rush. If he can bring that out of these guys, well, then that is really going to be a testament to everything he's about. Well, it, and it's funny because, you know, young guys, they're, they're, a lot of times they're really easy to teach, right, because they're, they're just like a sponge. They come into the NFL then with you know their eyes wide open and they're they're thinking this is the next level and so the coaching obviously gets a little bit better just like with anything else and you know I'm going to teach take some of the things that my coach is teaching me how to do and apply them to my craft. Well, when you have older veterans that come in with a new coach, a guy that's coming from college, um, sometimes these guys take a back seat and go, okay, well, what does this guy know that I don't know, right? I mean, I'm the one that's been to a pro world before. I'm the one that just signs a franchise tag. What do I need to listen to this guy for? So it's, sometimes it's all about the attitude of the player. Now, very quickly, they're gonna, they've understood, and I, I'm just acting like I've been there, but I, I got to know Coach Spencer a little bit in the offseason, so I, I know the type of teacher he is. He teaches with motivation. He teaches with what I'm going to tell you is going to be successful. Now, this is showing up with, with Leonard Williams, okay? Here's a guy that can, can play better. He wants to play better. He wants to get a big contract. And so he's slowly understanding what Coach Chaos or Coach Spencer is teaching him and different techniques. You hear about how he's a great athlete. A lot of guys rely on their athleticism to play the position, but sometimes they don't want to listen to the coaching. You put two of those together, that can mean big things for him. And really, the Giants do want a lot of big things out of him. They want to see that sack record go to double digits, you know, like he's had before. Actually, was has he been in double digits? Before, Seven Paul? is the highest he Seven. had when he went to the Pro Bowl with there the Jets go. in his so second let's get, season. Let's get it to double digits, right, from an interior position. And don't be surprised at where they put him sometimes this year. Um, you know, it might be on the outside, and, you know, we'll see what happens. But I'm excited about how these guys are receptive to coaching. That makes a lot of sense to me. And, and if they can keep going with doing that and believing it, they got a coach there that can – he brings the energy. And we're going to see a lot of energy out of that group. I will tell you this. The defensive line gives this offensive line one heck of a test every single day. No, that's a good thing. I mean, oh. And competition. Leonard, yeah, and, and specifically Tomlinson, um, Dexter Lawrence, <laughs> and Leonard Williams. Specifically those three guys, they make sure that whoever is lined up opposite them on the other side of the line of scrimmage is better working. know they're going to be in for a long day. Because yeah. it's going to take a lot of extra effort. In fact, a lot of times, you know, you will see Williams just go, 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 go. And, and he's going right up until the very last breath of the whistle, if not more. And if you are not active and sticking with him, he's going to abuse you. It's just that simple. Mm -hmm. these, off, these offensive linemen, I'm going to tell you, the defensive line has won so far during training camp against this offensive line. Not that these guys on the offensive line are no good, but the defensive line looks like they're loaded for bear. And, yeah. and we keep hearing that, that phrase, iron sharpens iron. Uh, the hope is 
that this defensive line, much like in the days when the Giants, you know, used to have JPP and Tuck and Strahan and, and, and those kinds of guys, the hope is that this defensive line can actually enhance and accelerate the development of some of the young offensive linemen. Well, I was just following through that that conversation right there. I was thinking to myself, what better what better opportunity for Nick Gates at center to be able to have guys like this pushing him every single day? Oh, Tomlinson is is no fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Dalvin Tomlinson is not fun to play against. Well, he's 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 getting better and better every single year, and you know he's got a contract coming up soon. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him and you know the coaching. The other thing that that's very interesting to me is that. And I, I'm a big believer in this, and I, I think you guys should take it, you know, from what it's worth. I, I mean, I've had a lot of coaches in my career. I've seen a lot of coaches in my career. But that defensive line back in the day, when you look at – now, you're going to agree with me on this, Paul, because you know him. When you look at Coach Waffle, I mean, Coach Waffle was an energetic, crazy, like loud, screaming coach. He was like a sergeant in the military. Well – I was a big fan of Mike Waffle. Well, you're going to be a big fan of, of Spencer, too, because he's kind of cut from the, the same cloth. Those two guys are going to get in your face. They're going to, they're, they're going to love you to death. I mean, he, they, he loves his players. Coach Waffle always loved his players. Of course, everybody would if you had a Justin Tuck and a Michael Strahan and an OC on your team. But I feel like that energy brings out the best in players. And a lot of times, you know, you always heard on heard this that, you know, the team teaches on the personality of the coach. Well, I feel like that's that's the situation with that defensive line. I think that defensive line takes on the personality of Coach Chaos. Mm-hmm. They really do. Our number is 201-939-4513. Paul Dottino and Jeff Fiegel's with you on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Please dial us up and give us a call. You could always go to the Giants mailbag as well at Giants.com slash podcasts slash BBK questions. But if you do, you don't get to hear your voice on the program. We go to line one. Charlie from Portland, Maine, you're next. Hello, Chuckles. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Paul. Hi. Hey, I don't want to hey, I don't, I don't want to be a little downer here, but... All right, then you can you hang know, up. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, really, if you don't want to be a downer, then hang up. <laughs> you Come guys, on, Charlie. You know, you're, you're talking about, like, Judd has a reason. He has a purpose. Like... Like everybody else, everybody has a reason and a purpose. If he, what does he be doing if he doesn't have a reason and a purpose? It doesn't mean the reason or the purpose is the correct one. That's what we're going to find out if it is the correct one if we win games. Yeah, but it, you know, you know what, what I think? We like to talk about it because we haven't been around a coach like that in a while, and we're just trying to figure out what his purpose is. I mean, I know that every team, the coaches have their purpose, right? They, they do. But all we're doing is really just trying to understand what his purpose really is. Obviously, his purpose is to win football games, and what he's doing is that's hopefully that's going to work. That's all we're doing. We're just talking about how he's going about it. Yeah, and, and, and Paul, you were—I guess you were there today. I mean, a bunch of players Paul's there every went day. down. I think they went down, right? Injuries. Uh, no, no, rising, no, 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 no. Darius, Darius, Darius Slayton had to be had to be uh, looked at by the trainers today. He did not practice. Uh, Connolly was on the side, and I'm trying to think. Oh my goodness, I had it in my notes. Who else was on? There was one oh, other guy on the side. I think uh, Peppers was either McKinney or Peppers went off today, didn't they? Someone? Well, they had a few guys, as Coach said, guys cramped up. Yeah, he had. They had uh, Lemieux okay. cramped up. 
Mm-hmm. You know, as far as I know, that's what it looked like. So, you know, he gave a couple guys off for some, some rest today as he's trying to pace these guys. Then he had a few guys cramp. And then the only one that he said that there was an injury on that he did not have information on was Darius Slayton, who did not practice today. So that would be the only concern right now. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that when they get information on Slayton, whatever it is, I'm hoping that that's not serious. But that would be the only injury that you should be looking for uh, in terms of uh, what happened today. Well, Pulley, Pulley went out, too. Uh, he went out. And, yeah, but, but uh, Charlie, 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 you, did you listen to what I just cramping? said? They had a bunch of guys cramp up today. You know, unless sure unless I see a guy, here's the thing, Charlie. I'm 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 being honest with you. I'm not trying to be funny. Yeah. I've been doing this a yeah. long time. When I watch a practice, if a guy gets carted off, or he's got to literally hop off and get assistance, that usually means it's an injury and it's bad. If a guy slowly walks off to the sideline with a trainer, usually it means either he's got a flu bug or he's dehydrated and cramped up. That's just I'm okay. just telling you the way it is by experience. So, you know, nobody nobody got carted off today. So I wouldn't necessarily get up to get too concerned. All right. Well, well, I guess we'll find out in a day or two if Judd ever tells us what's going on, which I think he will at some point. But uh yeah, so, you know, you know, I hope, you know, hey, the other thing I was thinking about, this one last thing is that because there's not going to be any well, at most places, there are not going to be any fans in the stands. You're really going to need to have a couple of guys on the team that are really lit and animated, who really inspires and gets the whole team excited. Now, we had a guy like that with Odell, but I don't know who that guy is on our team now because we're not going to have the fans you know, pushing people along and getting you know, everyone revved up. So it's going to have to be somebody on defense or Somebody on offense that's going to have to ju- have the juice to get that excitement when something happens, something goes right, something doesn't go right, and I, you know, maybe Peppers is one of those guys. I don't know. Who do you think those guys could be? Certainly, hmm. Shepard's always a guy that can get people riled up. I've seen him do a lot of things. Um, um, you know, I think like that's a good point. I mean, I, I feel like. The uh, digital operator in the stadium might have a little say in that, you know, some music, things like that. I mean, (laughs) seriously, because, I mean, a lot of times, you know, music and and things that are done in the stadium, aside from the fans, which is always a great motivator, but those types of things can get guys up. But, you know, I I don't really know exactly, Paul, who do you think? Maybe on offense? Like I said, Sterling's a a very energetic guy. I mean, I've seen him get up and, you know, go. And some of the new guys, I don't know, like, you know, I don't know anything about them. I, I So... You know, maybe Daniel Jones is the guy that's a little bit more charismatic than, than Eli used to be on the sideline. I, who knows? I don't know. Defensively, yeah. I think there's probably more of them on defense than there is. Hey, Lorenzo Carter is a guy that I see him flying around all the time in practice, you know, getting guys up and jacked up. Saquon. Saquon's a guy that gets everybody up, yeah. you know? I will yeah, say this. Should, I don't think yeah. there's any Brandon Jacobs on this team. No. Brandon was like a keg of TNT. Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't afraid to go over to the defense either. No, no. Well, when you're as big as he is, you don't have to be. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much, Charlie. There was a couple times when I know the Strahan and Osi and those guys told Brandon Jacobs to get his butt on the other side. Did they really? Oh, yeah. Like, don't be coming (laughs) over here, you know. (laughs) I can see it, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, Brandon Jacobs wasn't afraid to go over there. So, But, uh, you know, there was a couple guys that didn't want to see him. 
They were just basically, hey, you go over to, on the other side. Because, you know, for people that don't know, that the bench the bench area is, is broken up into offense and defense. One offense on one side, defense on the other. And, you know, Brandon would kind of stroll over to that defensive side when, you know, the defense is giving up, you know, big plays and things like that. And he'd want to go say something to those guys. And Strahan and O.C. and them would tell him, just turn around. You turn around and go back the other way. I don't want to hear anything out of you, you know. <laughs> In a very, that was a very calm way of saying it. There, it went a little you, bit. You know what, though, that. Jeff? The truth is, Brandon always meant well at heart, and sure. I, I get it. They maybe didn't want to hear it, but the truth of the matter is, he was only doing it to to help the team. Sure. He everything very that Brandon, Brand, very emotional and extremely team oriented. Yeah, well, that's why everybody loved him. Um, yeah, and he, and he played hard. I mean, he just the guy. He never took plays off. You know, you got as much mileage as, as, as you could out of them. Um, and any kind, you're that big and take that much hits, you know, you can't play forever. And uh, that was he was just a great teammate. A lot of fun to watch. I was just always baffled how people could tackle him. I was, I was thinking to myself, it's your 6'4", 265 pounds. How does anybody tackle you? Seriously. I mean, you should be able to run up the middle and nobody should touch you. Every time. Well, you but, know what but, they did? They went for his knees. They did. They went <laughs> Hey, and that's one of the reasons why his knees gave out. And to this day, he still has knee issues. Everybody, everybody, hey, listen, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Well, you go right for their knees, and they'll fall all right, you know. But I'll tell you, if you go back and look some of the highlights of Brandon Jacobs running over some dudes, I don't know how they got up. Really don't. 201-939-4513. We have lines open. Ben from Analapin, New Jersey is next on line four. Hello. Hello. Uh, I have a, a question about Leonard Williams. Uh, he filed a grievance around April. It's almost September. Uh, when do you think they're going to adjudicate the the, uh, the grievance? And if they find in his favor, uh, how does that uh, how does that affect his uh, the Giants' salary cap and his future with the Giants? And one one other thing, the reason why Jacobs wasn't afraid to go over to the defensive line is because boxing was his hobby. So he wasn't afraid. Of that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> he was just waiting for somebody to punch him. Right? He would have just sucker punched him right back. I don't have the answer to that. I I know that um to the Leonard Williams uh, Paul. I know that the, the grievance was for positional. If he was an interior defensive lineman or correct an outside linebacker or outside defensive guy. So and it was a difference of about two million dollars on the mm -hmm. tag. Uh, honestly, I have not heard anything about it. Uh, since that that was filed, I guess it was back in April. Now I will tell you this: it would not surprise me if that was just settled very nicely and quietly by meeting in the middle, because this has been done before with players where they claim that they should be characterized as one position. The team says another, and then they say, "Okay, you know what? We'll just split the difference, and that'll be the number, and everything goes away." Hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if that's what happened. Got it. That's it, Ben. Thanks yeah, for the call. I, I think that would have happened, though. They, uh, you know, he would have already assigned a, a, you know, a, a contract for more than one year. But so, no, 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 no. He, he, he's, he signed the one-year tender, so he is, he is under contract to the Giants for this season. And as you probably know, um, he said now he wants to play out the year and try to play himself into another deal. So I don't think there's any inclination on his part to try to sign a multi-year deal right now. So don't see that as a sign of negativity. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for your input. Thank you. Sure. 201-939-4513. I think one thing is interesting that uh, Dave Gettleman, the GM, had told us during the last combine 
That is, he may start to rethink his strategy a little bit, that he always believed you never have contract talks with a player's agent during the season. You always do all the business during the offseason. Mm-hmm. But he did tell us, again, at the Combine in Indianapolis back in February, that uh, maybe he should start rethinking that in some instances and, and do have some contract talks with some, some guys. So it will be very interesting to see if, in fact, he does change his ways a little bit during the course of this year. Paul, it was um, he was what he was objecting to was his salary being an interior defensive lineman had him making $16.1 million under the tag. Um, therefore, but he wants to be as a defensive end, which would have paid him $17.8 million. So you're looking at about $1.7 million is the difference. Um, so, you know, maybe that did happen where they said, okay, we'll meet in the middle and we'll give you half of that and be done with it. Now go get his 10 sacks. So. Well, see, the, the, the thing is, you know, if you really wanted to be technical about it, and any team could do this with any player, just say, okay, let's look at your snap count. How many snaps did you play at one position? How many snaps did you play at the other position? Well, this is what you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they did. You, you could do that, and that's a very factual way to do it. But, you know, if from a philosophical perspective you say that it's not the snap count that makes the difference, it's how you use the guy and what he was asked to do in that position, like I've said before, there are players who have come to a compromise with a team and said, okay, there's X number of dollars between the two positions. Let's just meet in the middle and be happy, and everybody sings kumbaya. It does happen. And I don't know exactly how it worked out in this case with the Giants and Leonard Williams. I do know this. The coaching staff has been very, very happy with him so far. Good. Good. Hey, listen, he's he's a good player. He's young, too. Young guy. Um, And I feel like, you know, he's got a lot to prove, and that's a good thing. It's a really good thing. I mean, he's on the franchise tag. Uh, One year, you know, prove it to us. And then the Giants, if they want to keep him, then they got to get a deal done next year. They, you know, they had till July 15th to get something done for this year, which it didn't happen. So, uh, you know, that's good. I, I like to, I love, I love guys playing under, you know, one year proven. You look at Marcus Golden and just ask him. He went out and balled out and went out in free agency and getting, didn't get anything. You know, so he's in a proven year again. Um, but great to see him back, though. I know you like him a lot, Paul. I know you've interviewed him so many times. Great locker room guy. And I'm sure that Joe Judge and that staff are happy to have him in that locker room because I think it helps a lot. Well, you know, one thing about Leonard Williams, because he played, you know, several years with the Jets, Joe Judge knows him from his time with the Patriots. Sure, sure he does. So yeah. let, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, Joe Judge is not coming in with a a, um, a blank slate in terms of playing Leonard Williams. He has mm-hmm. seen Leonard Williams. He knows what he can do. He knows maybe where they could get him coached up. And so, you know, as far as I'm concerned – it's not as if he, he's flying blindly when discussing this player or projecting what he thinks the guy can do, yeah. uh, having played him twice a year. I'll tell you another guy that, that Joe Judge knows is Cam Fleming. And I know there's been a little bit of reports in the uh, media about you know him and where he's playing and how Joe Judge has seen him playing some big games. And- Interesting you brought that up, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Did, were you, you reading want- my mind? I'm just, you know, when you and I work together as much as we do, sometimes that just happens. <laughs> that should scare you. You understand that. Most <laughs> know, people yeah. would think that's very dangerous. <laughs> well, most people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was actually asked today mm-hmm. about Cam Fleming. Uh, the question to Joe Judge was about what makes you believe that Cam Fleming, after being a backup for most of his career with only limited starts, 
is capable of being the starting right tackle that the Giants need now that Solder has opted out and Andrew Thomas looks like he's going to be the starting left tackle. And without hesitation, Joe Judge said, I have complete confidence in him because let me tell you something. I have been on the side of many a teams in my career where Cameron Fleming was the starting tackle and we won those games. So believe me when I tell you, I've seen us win games with that guy. Uh, he He's going to be fine. I have complete confidence in him. Yeah. Well, I have not been out to practice as much as you have, obviously. Um, and just full disclosure, I've only been to one, and that was on Friday for the scrimmage. Um, my intent that day was two things, twofold here. Number one was to try to identify all the numbers with no names and just trying to learn the guys who they are through their numbers and some of their mannerisms because that seems to be the way we're going to watch practice from now on with no names on there. Um, I think af- after a while that will be that will be second nature. We won't have to have the names. But right now I could have used them, Paul, because <laughs> there's a lot of guys out there. Um, and I was constantly looking at my, you know, my, uh, my roster and kind of the breakdown of the depth chart. But one thing that I also wanted to see, I wanted to see the rotation of that offensive line. I wanted to understand where these guys are playing. And with the, what I came out with was this. They are playing all over the place. I mean, you can go ahead and look at that. I go on the R lads uh, for the Giants step chart because I think that's the one that's most updated all the time. Okay. Well, that thing's whacked out. Okay. I'm I'm a big fan of our lads myself. Yeah, and I I feel like they update as much as they can. But when I look at some of the positions that they have them on the depth chart, they're not even close. I mean, some of these guys, and that's just because of well, they're not at camp. Yeah, yeah, but that, the the odd lads people are sure. not at camp. Yeah, but my now, point is, once I was, the season starts, they're all over that depth chart. They're great. Yeah, my, my my point is that you know I went in there looking. Okay, if this is the depth chart, then why is Eric Smith playing left tackle? Why is Eric? You know, why is Nick Gates playing? I knew he was playing center, but they have him as the right tackle. I mean, they've got a lot of these guys, and um, two guys that stood out for me on the offensive line. And I, I, I didn't know if you wanted to go here or not, but I'm going to go. Okay. Uh, um, on Friday was number one how comfortable I, I felt that Nick Gates is at center. Um, I felt, I saw him making calls. I had my binoculars out by the way. And I was just, I could see, it was like, I was standing right there mm-hmm. and I could just see him communicating through the offensive line, making, making calls, making adjustments. Very, 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 very comfortable more than I thought he would be. And then the other guy that really impressed me. And I'll tell you what, I, I Remember the back in the day when everybody was, and I'll just say the word, you're going to know who I'm talking about, the developmental guy. Remember? <laughs> he was, remember, the, who, remember who the developmental guy everybody no, num- at the draft? Number, number, number 74, Matt he's, Peart. He's a, he's a developmental guy. He's a developmental guy. Not well, anymore, let, Jeff. Let me tell you no, something. No, he's an improving guy is what he is. <laughs> I, I saw a lot in him that will make me confident that if he's not a starter that he can play in, yep. in, a, in a pinch. And remember this, when we're talking about a developmental guy, to me, a developmental guy is a fifth, sixth, seventh rounder. Let's not forget about Matt Pert. He is a third round draft pick, folks. Yes. Okay. So that that can be developmental. But for the most part, when you're picked in the third round, you have some talent, some big time talent. And I'm seeing it. So this makes me happy. It really does, because we wanted to see some competition and some depth at that center position with Pulley and Nick Gates, and we didn't know if Lemieux was going to be slotted in there. Um, and by the way, he's a nasty dude. He reminds me a lot of Richie Soybert. 
Um, he, he carries himself as a lineman. He's got that long hair and those tattoos, and he looks mean as heck. Um, now you can just go out and play a little bit. So I, that's, that's kind of my take of the offensive line, and Mark Colombo, love him. Love the way he teaches. Love his intensity. Love how he gets out there and actually shows these guys from experience. Um, and that means a lot because this is one positional group that we wanted to see improve, right? Because if there's only ever going to be a time mm-hmm. where Daniel Jones' maturation is going to be going forward, it's, you got to have some good people. And, you know, i gotta te- I got to tell you, you've seen Andre Thomas, okay? Andrew, excuse me, Andrew Thomas. He's a big boy now. He's a big boy. And uh, he just looks like a natural to me. He really does. All right, let me make something very clear about the two guys you brought up because Mm -hmm. it's probably about time that we do. And everybody knows I've been like the president of the Nick Gates fan club since he came out of Nebraska. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I I really did not enjoy talking about him trying to challenge Spencer Pulley because... I like Spencer Pulley. I like his experience. I like his attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think he's a competent player. And quite honestly, I think Nick Gates' best position is guard. And I've made this very, very clear for the last two years. Having said all of that, there is no doubt, based on what I have seen over the past two weeks, Nick Gates is making a strong push in competition against Spencer Pulley to be the starting setter on this team. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Sure. And I think Gates, what... is, Gates is really, really pushing him. Yep. And you know, right now, I'd say it's a flip of the coin. I'm not sure who's going to win. Yeah, well, I think that this is exactly what they wanted. Sure. You know, they wanted to be able to – whoever's the starter, they know that they have a pretty competent backup in, in being one or the other, right? So, And I think that Nick Gates has a lot more upside. Um, I think that he's a little he's younger, number one. Um, number two, I think he's got a little bit more athleticism in him and um, maybe a little bit more grit, although I did see Poli getting a little scuffle there the other day, but that's just offensive lineman being offensive lineman. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just the nastiness. You want some – I feel like that offensive lineman has they, – they got the whole new line for the Giants. They got to come out with kind of – they just need to reinvent themselves in a sense. I think in the past offensive lines that have been here have just been a little bit passive. I think that this group needs to be aggressive, very aggressive, and be a little bit nasty streaking yeah. them, um, and really establish a running game with 26 behind them healthy, and really pound the football. And then going into games knowing that the New York Giants, they're going to run the ball down your throat. I think that's what Joe Judge wants to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second guy I should mention, you, you, you brought up Paired before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, uh, there are two things that I really, really like about him a lot. And there's no question, yes, he is raw. I'm not going to lie. He is raw. You see them having to coach up his technique a lot during the course of practice. Okay? But there are two things about him that are really, really good. Number one, he knows how to use those long arms. <laughs> and for an offensive lineman, that is incredibly valuable. And we've talked about how he and Andrew Thomas had the two longest arms of any of the offensive tackles at the Combine. Well, that is being used to his advantage. And, you know, right now, you'd have to say, uh, he, you know, he's in a fight to be the swing tackle, whether it's, it's Eric Smith or whether it's, it's Parrott. Uh, those are the guys right now who are the two backup tackles. And who is going to be the swing guy? Parrott, in my mind, it, he gets better every day. I think his accelerated push to move up on the depth chart is impressive. Uh, the second thing I like about him, besides his wingspan, 
is his motor is always on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does not matter if if you're beating him on a play. He is going to make you work overtime to finish the play because he's going to stay with you and stay with you and stay with you, and he will not give up. And uh, I, I'm impressed. He's I'm a big impressed, dude, man. He's six seven, three hundred eighteen pounds. 22 years old. And, you know, he looks a little bit thicker than I thought he would. As we get him out there and watch him in pads, he looks a little bit thicker. Look, he has to add strength. Let's not kid ourselves, Jeff. He's a rookie coming into this league with a very big frame, and he's going to have to add strength. So that that he does not have right now. So he's got to win on quickness. He's got to win on energy. He's got to win on perseverance. And he's going to have to try to learn some better techniques right away because right now he's behind the eight ball on technique. But these other elements that he already brings to the table, you know, I'm going to say this, depending upon if he had to play a regular season game this year, if he went up against the elite guys, I'm not suggesting that that necessarily is going to be pretty. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, if he had to go in in a pinch and play a game or two against just an average uh, NFL defensive end, Jeff, it would not surprise me if he was effective. Yeah, yeah. And he's just, you know, obviously, like I said, he's 22 years old. He's going to get stronger. He's going to get bigger. You know, Craig Fitzgerald, who's the new strength and conditioning coach for the Giants, um, you know, I think I'm hearing great things about him, um, doing a nice job with the team. And they're, you know, they're, obviously I think it goes hand in hand with injuries and how, how things are done conditioning-wise and how these guys have – been able to come off of the phase one, phase two transition into regular practices has been well. Um, but he's a guy that's going to get stronger, and I agree with you. You know, up against maybe the J.J. Watts of the world, there's going to be problems. Um, but, you know, same thing with Andrew Thomas. He's going to have his own problem, set of problems too. But these guys are young, and that's the nice thing about the Giants' offensive line. They're young and up and coming, and you can establish yourselves for years to come as long as those guys can stay healthy. You know what's fun in the one-on-one drills? A lot of times they'll put Thomas up against Leonard Williams. And boy, Good. Leonard Williams really, really gives him a workout. <laughs> That's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. 201-939-4513 is the phone number. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying, you know, we were talking about this the other day, is that, you know, some of these offensive lines around the country, around the league, I should say, that have those, those exceptional defensive ends, you know, the J.J. Watts of the world and the Boses of the world. Look at how fast those other guys get better quickly <laughs> when they got to practice against yeah. those guys every single day. You know, their learning mm-hmm. curve is just, I mean, they get better quicker because it's just like, oh, my goodness, I got to I got to deal with this guy every single day. Um, and that's that just makes you better. It really does. It does. Yep. Once again, 201-939-4513, final five minutes of the program. Let's see if somebody's got something on Twitter that they wanted to communicate with us. We'll take a glance over there. Always good to uh, to hear from fans in one way, shape, or another. Uh, Gotti Style, the one, wants to know if uh, Saquon Barkley is okay. says, reports are he didn't finish practice. Well, I'm going to answer the same way I answered earlier with, uh, I, think, I guess it was Charlie. Uh, unless a guy is is limping off significantly, needs help coming off the field, or is carted off, usually in August, 
that refers to cramping or dehydration or a sick stomach, whatever the case may be. It's yeah. usually not anything to worry about. Listen, and I that, think that, you know, if Barkley, you know, had gotten hurt, Judge would have said something about it as well. Yeah, those guys were out there. Colonel Zimenez. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's the longest practice they've had all season. So, you know, it is. Th- things are going to happen. That extra 30 minutes, you think about that in a two-and-a-half-hour practice, do the percentage. That's a lot. So, I mean, guys. Temperature uh, was in the 80s, and yeah, the and humidity was in the mid-70s, Jeff. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it can – but it's extended time. So, and those guys are – those are runners we're talking about, not big fat guys that are just sitting there doing nothing. Right, right. <laughs> uh, Kevin Charliovati says, my guess for the offensive line, Thomas Hernandez, Gates, Zeitler, and Fleming – Mm-hmm. Our online coach Mark Colombo is tough and nasty, so I think Saquon will be running a rock, running the rock a bunch this season. Bingo! Well, that stands to reason. I think he's been listening to the program. I do. I think. I, I think there's your starting lineup too. Cardinal Zimenez says, uh, as far as Evan Ingram, play 14 to 16 productive games, and you won't have to worry about a contract. It will write itself. Miss four or five games due to injury, and you're probably going to be. Uh, you're probably going to be the way the Giants will save uh, millions of cap mm-hmm. space in 2021. Well, actually, they've already picked up his option. So uh, Evan Ingram will not only be here this season, he's already guaranteed that he'll be a Giant next season yeah. in terms of the contract. They've already picked up the option. Now, of course, it's after 21, 2021 where then he could potentially be a free agent. And that's that's you know two seasons down the road. I'm really not worried about that right now. No, no. And I'll tell you one thing. I, if I'm Jason Garrett, I got to be pretty pretty happy. And I got to you know because you're going to have a tight end. You know, listen, the guy Jason Witten was a he's a Hall of Famer, but he never had the skill set that Evan Ingram has, right? Yeah. Um, and and I I I think when you come here and you're an offensive coordinator and you've got a number one draft pick, a guy like that that runs a four four forty and that's as physical, that can still put his hand in the dirt and block, and a guy mm-hmm. that can actually get out in space and on linebackers and make them miss, uh, that's exciting because you add a dimension to that passing game, and then you've got three wide receivers and nobody. There's really a, no true number one wide receiver for the Giants, in my opinion. I think they all three all three bring their own little skill set. But there's not one dominant guy there. So defensively, you're going to have to pick and pick your poison here. Who's your number one guy? I mean, it might be Evan Ingram. It might be that might be the guy that you're going to have to to put a lot of attention to, and that takes a lot of pressure off of the other uh, receivers. Sure, and and, sure. and Saquon too. Without I'm going. I'm telling you, I'm winning the over under on that this year. He's going to get more than 66 catches. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> Uh, Jeff Eagles, it has been fun. Another good hour here it on Big Blue Kickoff. It always goes by so quickly, doesn't it? And, it uh, sure does. I think you and I are going to be again together again tomorrow, so that'll be fun. Oh, very good. Uh, it's 201-939-4513. Folks, please jot down the number. Again, our phone lines are available to you. You'll be able to call in and get on the program. We promise uh, the show is heard Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern time, live on Giants.com. You can always go to hashtag Giants chat. He is at Jay Fiegels. I am at Giants WFAN. That'll do it for today's show. We'll see you next time.